What time is it? It's funny how you know exactly where to go to get the time. So much in the New Testament is what time is it? Jesus, he rebukes the Pharisees because they didn't know what time it was. Oh, they thought they knew what time it was, believe me. I just feel that, that the time that we're in, it's a pivotal time. So I just want to pray for us and pray for myself. And if you feel you can uh, agree with my prayer, just pray for yourself. Father, I just pray for my ears to hear through all the noise, all the good ideas, all my favorite preachers, all my positions. Lord, I just want to hear your voice. I pray for my heart to receive the word. I pray be a tender heart, Lord. You know there's pain in there. You know there's callous at times. Lord, I pray that you would continue to, to pierce through all of that junk. That would be a heart to receive, no matter what the message. And I, I pray for my mouth to proclaim the boldness of, for my mouth to make plain. What time is it, Lord? Your sheep hear your voice. We don't want to be caught unaware. We are children of the Most High God. Yes, we are. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. I feel a bit like James as he was a, an elder, a pastor in the Jerusalem church, and he was preparing a, a people for something that he didn't know but he wouldn't be around for, to help them, to pastor them through it. And like any good elder or pastor, he did not build onto himself. He did not say, you need to buy my seminars, you need to come and you need to be under my ministry. He built onto Jesus Christ. Because he knew if he could build onto Christ, Christ would never leave them. He's always with them. To learn to hear from the Spirit of God was critical for what's coming up here and critical for our own lives. And, and he's pleading with them. And he's, he's not as eloquent as other, other New Testament writers. You know, his, the thrust of his message is a lot of, of, of as we've talked about, the message of his half-brother Jesus the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, some of Luke and Mark, and, and he's very to the point. He's kind of blunt. He, he speaks a bit like Proverbs, so he's not a consistent, nice, flowy letter. It's sort of this, bam, bam. You're like, whoa, that was a little different. He's not like Paul, who's very, he's a learned man. He was from Tarsus. He, he, was, he was a very educated man, and he would present incredible displays of who we were in Christ in Romans 1, and, then, and you, you see him take you through who you were, and then he calls you now to who you are. And out of who you are, he says, now, because of this, you must walk in victory. That understanding is somewhat assumed you know about who you are as you look at James. He's not getting into all of that. He's talking about how you live your life. He's the brass tacks. Talk is cheap. And so this is what we get into as we just finalize James. It's all about action, doing. Without, it's just something that we, we, we meditate on. Now, he's, he's going to petition you throughout. No, no, I understand you, you've got the information, but that's not, that's not, you can't stop there. The demons believe that God is one, so good for you. You believe that God is one. No, no, but they tremble at least. What do you do with the information you have received from the book? Has it changed your life at all? Or is it just put on the shelf with Jordan Peterson and whomever else you look to get wise sages from? Who dominates and changes the thought patterns of your mind? Because it is about the thinking. What washes over you? Are you more familiar with Taylor Swift's lyrics than the Word of God? 
I don't know who that really is, to be honest. I'm trying to act cool, but I just see her all over the place. Or maybe you're more familiar with your favorite authors. And you know them so well, you almost have the mind of X. And the desire here is to petition us, to, to, to begin to, to, to absorb the Word of God in such a way that it changes us and changes our mind. Because how we think is how we act. And James is petitioning us to stop acting this way, but you must change the way you think in order to change the way you act. As a man thinks, so is he. If you think you're a dog, you will act like a dog. This is why we've been given the mind of Christ. So all of this is so important as we absorb this book and see, see the, 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 um, the context with which it's preached in. Look at the world you live in. Are you prepared? Not to survive. Are you prepared to overcome? Are you prepared to thrive in the desert? Are you prepared to walk boldly, to stand fast, to stand strong? You're heroes of the faith. Are you doing any, do you think it just happened accidentally how they became your heroes of the faith? What, let's look behind the scenes. And this is what we see here. These foundational principles, we're going to just quickly go over here. Obviously, I've preached 12 or 13 sessions. You, if you want more in-depth this is not a, a complete treatise on James here today, but I do believe he's giving us some good basic foundations by which we can tell our own futures if we walk in them. This is how he starts the letter. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may... Be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Complete means you're not fractured. You're congruent in your being. Your life's not fractured. There's this, you're a person of faith through your life. You're complete. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it all liberally without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the waves of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. He's emphasized his faith. This is a major theme in this book. Not a distracted faith, but a focused faith. A clear faith. We already have spoken how James is speaking to people that are under persecution at this time. And as you guys know in your own life, when the heat starts turning up, you know, that Sunday morning suit Christian smile, when the heat starts going sideways. And because they're under persecution and heats up, things are popping. The flesh is showing itself. There's a lot of things going on. So he's saying, consider all joy because this is what comes up. Think of your own life. What does the heat have to be turned up to when you start dropping F-bombs? When you start losing it? Oh, dad's in the mood. This is what he's talking to. To see the trials in your life, to, to, it tests you who you are. It shows you and people around you who you are. Because you may have correct doctrine and theology, but that's, it's, how's it in your life? How is it being born out in our lives? And this is a major, major theme in this book. There's no hiding here. What truly comes, you know, what we believe comes out of our mouths and seen in our actions, and that's just the truth of it. Doer, a doer here. What use is it, my brothers and sisters, James 2, 14, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can this faith save him? 
For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. And this has been the fundamental theme of what we have, as we have, as it were, advertised it, shown it, that this is about just do it. My dad, every January, my dad struggled with weight. Every January, he talked about how he was going to go on Weight Watchers and lose weight. Every, but there's a lot of talk, but not a lot of action. And there's something funny about when you start to talk about things, there's this cathartic feeling that you feel like you've actually done something when nothing's actually been accomplished so far. But I had such a good chat. And it kind of alleviates. It's weird. It's like it's a strange thing, but it's true. It's just, just do it. Blah, 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 blah. Just do it. And you'll know that with children in particular when you tell them to go clean the room. Hey, da, 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 just do it. No, 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 no. Just do it. Action. Hello. I just want to step down a bit and unpack faith just a little bit because it, it does help connect us with the other themes of the book. Forgive me, I'm going to give you a bit of context to Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is a, 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 key, key, a key scripture with Hebrews 10.35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Endurance promised. Keep that. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come, and he will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not among those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith for the safekeeping of the soul. That's a wonderful path, the scripture. Now, faith is the certainty of things hoped for, the proofs of things not seen. For by it, people of old gained approval. People of old. So yes, even the Old Testament was faith. To please God, even under the Old Covenant was faith. In fact, he goes into Hebrews 11 here, and he's going to talk about everyone from the Old Testament. By faith, by faith, by faith. And so it is with us. The certainty of things hoped for. Isn't that interesting? Hope is a part of faith. You know, I think we often are trying to, how do I get faith? And, and we do isolate these things, but the Bible does not isolate them. And we do naturally, when we're going to preach on faith, we, we pull it out and we say faith. But there's a many things around what faith, to support faith and what faith is about. And hope is clearly one of them. They're interdependent. Hope is the reason why you are sacrificing now for the future. Why you're giving up present, maybe, maybe um, comforts for future comforts. Suffering with no hope or perceived purpose produces despair. Paul says this in Romans. He says, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. So clearly hope, you cannot see it. For he hopes for what they've already seen. Do you hope for a new dress that you already have? No, it's, it doesn't make sense. You hope for that which you do not have. But if we hope for what we do not see through perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. You notice there again, perseverance with hope. Hope is linked to what God has promised. What you have hope in is what you invariably put your faith in. Right? You want to get a house one day, you, you see, how do I get that house? I am going to make this money in hope that it buys that house. It's what you put your faith in. Where your hope is, is tied. And this is important because endurance and perseverance are in this. And this is, James talks about this. He has to talk about this. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, 
which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The promise of that which is to come. The hope. Therefore, be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. If we have hope, we can persevere and endure with our eyes on that which we have hope in. Now, you may have heard the term, and it said, keep your eyes on the prize. Peter, when he had his eyes on Jesus, could walk on water. He took his eyes off Jesus, he couldn't walk on water. There's many metaphors and analogies we can use. Now, why would we call to hope for that which is to come? What about the present? What do I do now? James speaks to this. What do I do with my life? What do I do with my finances? Who do I marry? What do I, where do I go? Where do I meet with God's people? What church? And so on. He talks about wisdom. We need wisdom desperately in this time. You can have words from the Lord. You can have prophecies, words and knowledge, all those things. But you need wisdom to know what to do with them. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it to all generously and without reproach. And he, it will be given to him. Where do we get wisdom from? From God. From his word. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Again, he's not just content to talk about wisdom, but that wisdom is displayed in your life. There's something more than just the acquisition of knowledge, but it's the display. It's, it's like faith. It has to be exercised. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant, so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. What is the fruit of the knowledge and wisdom that you're putting into your life? If you were to sit back and look at your life like a plant or like a, like a fruit tree, we can see where it comes from by what it produces. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is pure, first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy. What kind of wisdom do you walk in? Because it's all about me, Jesus. Is that the song or something? <laughs> and all these things are for me. What does it produce? What does it produce in us, the wisdom that we are garnering? But he warns us to seek wisdom from above. There is so much information out there, too. There is so much information out there. It's weird to think that the issue we have is too much information. Where for thousands of years it was not enough. Now it's too much. Be wary of where you garner your wisdom from. Another thing that as we're living here, um, sorry, and that Paul talks about, or James talks about, but the rich person is to glory in his humiliation because like a flower and grass he will pass away. He speaks to them about money and the uncertainty of riches. To be very wary of pursuing wealth as your number one. We all need money. I get all that. All the caveats that go around that. 
But we understand when money is your focus and what you, you are yielding to in this life, you will have challenges. You will fall short. You are building a bigger bonfire. And if you like bonfires, I guess that's all right. But you're doing nothing. You're trading your time because you only have so much time. So you're giving your time to this versus your time to the kingdom. And as I've said before, we have no problem with wealthy people. We're probably part of the 1% ourselves. Most people in the room are probably part of the 1% as you look up to the Elon Musk of the world. All of us have excess in their finances to some degree, whereas other parts of the world, they have nothing. True poverty, like nothing, nothing. And I just encourage you with what he is saying here because he, he knows they're under great persecution and it's heating up. And the folly of just storing up riches, well, the world is collapsing. Like I said before, it's like renovating a house while it's on fire. Okay, priorities, everyone. Let's get some priorities. Maybe put the fire out. Like, it's, 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 just, it's just logical. And this is, a, he's so blunt here, it's, quite, it's almost hard to read it, but come now, you rich people. Weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded and their corrosion will serve as a testimony against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Powerful. He really emphasizes this discrepancy with poor and rich. And, and this, is, this is throughout the ages, as we know. Right alongside with faith, he couples with it love. It's interesting that he only actually mentions love, the word love, agape, which is from above. It's not storie, it's not philio, it's not eros. There's two other Greek uh, words for love that are not even mentioned in the Bible. Um, there's six Greek words for love. He, agape is the selfless. It's used when God's love. It's a selfless love. And he only mentions it three times in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the letter. And two of them are love for God. So he only mentions love for one another in this noun form in this, in this verse. If, however, you're fulfilling the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbors yourself. You are doing well. And the whole, so much of the, the, the letter now unpacks what love looks like when it's put to action. He, 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 he now doesn't necessarily talk so explicitly about them loving. He says, this is how you should love, without saying it. Remember, these guys were having some challenges. My brothers and sisters, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus with an attitude of personal favoritism. You judge each other and talk to each other according to how you look or these various, I mean, in this it was talking about people with money and they're coming in and they give them the better seat. That, how do we apply it today, though? We don't do that today. Well, I, I hope we don't. But, but we, there's other ways. Personal favoritism. What's this course? The quarreling, again, this, this internal conflict they, they're having. Remember, it's, it's getting, the heat is getting turned up. And these quarrels and conflicts among you, is the source not your pleasures that the wage war in your bodies, your body parts? Do not speak against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or sister or judges his brother or sister speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not the doer of the law, but the judge of it. 
stop. Stop speaking against your brothers and sisters. It's, it seems to be we, we're very partisan in, all over the place in every walk of life, in all walks of life it seems to be. And part of being partisan, you have to talk about the other person. So it, even you see it obviously highlighted heavily in politics, the caustic nature of politics. It always, always was caustic, but it's even worse now. And this speaking against one another is part of what it means to be a politician. And it's kind of in this, this, this it, with social media and COVID and all the various the challenges, we've come out of COVID as very partisan and hostile. The whole neighbor and loving your neighbor thing was sort of broken because of the way we were divided up. And, and we see the, the, the fallout of it. But not so in the church, not so with us. We must overcome these, these things that were, I mean, over two years, man. They, were, they, they start to set a pattern. We're to, to, to love each other. We're to speak kindly to each other. We're to pray for one another. You'll see most of this is calling us to maturity. It's like your children. You know, a baby starts, a baby apparently, don't, don't quote me on this, but a baby could, would kill for food. I don't, know, I don't know how they know that. It's a bit like they know if my lizard is colorblind or not. I'm like, how do you know that? Dogs are colorblind. What? Who, who asked the dog? And, and it's, it's about growing that child up. And you as a parent are trying to grow that child up away from you and, dare I say, away from themselves as the focal point. The best thing for you is to serve. You don't realize it, but it's true. Same with your kids. The best thing my kids could is to learn how to serve, to learn how to, to think about something outside of themselves. That is what maturity is. In fact, leadership in the kingdom is servant. It's a servant. And this is what you see in this, is this, you guys are fighting, you're just thinking of self, it's fleshly. Everything is about you and what you can get. You only go talk to the rich guy because maybe he's got some money he can give you. And he goes on to this final sort of, out of, out of these, and, and there can be many more things we could talk about, but he speaks on, on the tongue. It's a very famous passage, the tongue, this passage of Scripture that James will get into in, in, in chapter 3. But he, be, he first mentions it here in chapter 1. You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now everything must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but he deceives his own heart, this, religion, this person's religion is worthless. That's just what the Bible said. I didn't add to that, by the way. You ever just read the Bible? It should be okay that the Bible challenges you because you're not yet being, you're being conformed into the image of Christ. And a key part of that is to be the transformation of the mind. So get used to a place of repentance and go, okay, I don't do that, Lord. I would like to do that. I'm going to start doing it, etc. This is what James is talking about here. So just, it's a start, right? I hate that guy. Every Go home and you you know you you have the worm down with your wife about the work colleagues. This is what one of his metaphors for the tongue is to bridle it like it's a crazy horse. 
And you, I was off this pitch because it's like you're riding your tongue. It's out of control. Dude can't stop. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able to reign in the whole, the whole body as well. And then he goes in later down. He says, think about this. With, with it we bless our Lord and Father, the tongue. And with it we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brother and sister, these things should not be this way. Does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brother and sister, bear olives, or a vine bear figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh water. It's just something that's it's a, it's, it's a focal point. And, and just so you know, even if you're not spot, if you, you, this is your tongue too, huh? I wasn't technically speaking, I was texting. I was posting on Instagram or whatever, TikTok. Somebody asked me I had TikTok. I thought only kids have TikTok. Hello. Isn't that true? Anyway, I don't know. But think of the world of fire that's just, if you just learn to shut it. I can tell you, you first starts with shutting it, and then you start to take the thoughts captive. And it's just, if we could just tame the tongue. It says, if any man could tame his tongue, as it were, he is a complete man. He's a perfect man. Again, it's that completeness. He's no longer fragmented. There's a wholeness. There's, they're congruent in, in that individual. There's a congruency in their, in their being. It's so important to tame the tongue. You'll note that most of this book is action-oriented. Do you have to understand everything about your body before you will do what the doctor tells you to do? Doctor gives you a prescription, take this. I don't understand what that's doing to me. I take it by faith. I take it by that they understand better than I do. This is the same way we, we look at Scripture. Do you receive the Word of God as the Word of God? Do we receive and go, I don't need to understand every single thing about this at all. I just walk it out by faith. This way, faith was the first thing that we started with, is to receive it by faith. Faith produces what? Hope. Hope in what? Hope in what God's Word has said to us. So God's Word is always standing out there for us. And what does the devil come and say to Eve? Did God really say? What does the devil come to say in Matthew chapter 4 to Jesus? God, the Word of God doesn't mean this. Really? Does it? He even uses the Word of God against him. Out of context. So the word of God is pivotal to our lives to build hope and to build faith. The substance. Not just the thinking. There's an organic nature to faith. It's not like two times two is four regardless of how I feel. That just never, never seems to change in me. But isn't it interesting how hope can sort of wane sometimes? There's an organic nature in the spiritual realm to it. That's why your faith kind of, that's why you've got to protect it. That's why you've got to be aware of it. I don't understand, Nick, why my faith is... Well, what are you feeding yourself, bro? Every one of us here knows how to get fit in sense that you eat less than you, 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 you burn less than you consume. But why to the spiritual realm, we're just shocked that, well, no, yeah, no, I'm entertained by the world. Love Taylor Swift. Sorry, it just came up on, on my YouTube thing. Taylor Swift. Apparently she's dating some guy in the football. 
Why that matters? I have no idea, and I forgive me for giving you that useless information. But nonetheless, garbage in, garbage out. You would know this. You, Nick, can I eat McDonald's every day of the week for a month and be healthy? Most everyone in the room is going to say, nope. So you have some level of understanding of nutrition, physical nutrition. Spiritual nutrition is no different. The great physician, Jesus Christ, his word is manna. It's life. I know it doesn't have as much sugar as you want. You've been trained to want sugar. You've been trained to be titillated with what you're watching. Entertain me. Little clips of half, half a minute and so on. Yeah, yeah, I know this. You kind of have to train yourself to sit down and actually ask him to help you and ask the Holy Spirit to help you and guide you and, and memorize it or you read it. It's the same way you get quick oats or you got the stone cold oats. The quick oats I can do in 60 seconds. The stone cold oats take me 10 minutes. Who's got time for this? You see, but we're trained in it. We're just, we're trained. We're trained in this. It's way beyond the matrix. We're in real life, but we're all trained in this weird way of thinking and consuming physical and spiritual uh, items, like just stuff, the way we take it. Can't I get it quicker, Lord? Come on, Lord, move up. Come on, I don't got time for this. The, the, I tell you, ask the Lord. Take time to step outside yourself and watch yourself, if that's possible. I do it. But you're like, dude, what's your problem? Why are you getting so mad? It's a weird thing. To pinpoint certain areas like an annoyance, I talk about traffic, I do. You're like, dude, what is so wrong? Lord, what is that? No, 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 that. Do you ever notice like you're you're starting to get mad? You're like, what is wrong with you? What is that? Why am I annoyed right now with my wife? What is that? Like, don't be tossed around. Take ownership. If you're being born again, if you're not a Christian, I get it. You need to get saved. Take ownership. But as a Christian, we can take ownership of these things. This is so much of what James is on about. going to close with this. He says this, James 5, 9. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, against one another, so that you may be ju- not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. I encourage us, what time is it? God has called us, his people, to be his hands, his feet. Who is the light of the world? The church. His people. You're to sh- make your light shine before men. I know it sounds blasphemous. Go read it. Because Jesus is the light of the world. But he said, I'm going. I'm leaving. I'm gonna, you're my body. And I've heard people say, oh, the church isn't the light anymore. No, it is the light. It's just really dark. It is the light. Anything other than that is satanic. It's not light, believe me. We have been called on the time that we, the place that we are now. God has ordained it. And I encourage you to consider, James, in light of your own lives. To consider, like, Lord, you, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to live in such a way that I am ready for the return of Jesus Christ. You say, Nick, I don't even think about that stuff. Yes, because you don't have a hope in it. You don't even think about the things of God. You think about all of the blessings of God. You've got to look above the blessings and think of God. And his promises, that's what builds hope and in turn builds faith. Say, Nick, why are you persevering like this? Because one day Jesus Christ is coming back. 
And I as an elder will give an account of how I prepared the people of God for his return. Why do you think I'm so blunt? In a sense, I, I, I understand James more than Paul. He's so eloquent, Paul. I understand James like, dude, what are you doing? And it's almost like that, if you know Rage Against the Machine, there's a song, but it says, wake up. And I felt like just cutting and pasting that, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Do you hear what the word of the Lord is saying today? Do we hear what the Spirit of God is saying? This is the nature of this, this letter, this petition. It's not just for your knowledge and acquisition that you can regurgitate it wonderfully, but that you take it on. That you would look your eyes above your career, above your house, above being married, above all, above to Christ. And fix your eyes on Him alone. And out of that fixation comes endurance and hope and faith. And then you can walk through the valley of shadow of death and fear no evil. Why? Because you know He's with you. I am persuaded. Let's stand together, please. We honor you, Lord. We declare the supremacy of Jesus Christ and we confess our dependency upon you alone. We declare that in you we live and breathe and have our being. We declare that you alone have the words to life. We declare that there is no other name under heaven by which anyone can be saved. We declare your supremacy. We declare you're on the move. We declare you're not bound. And that we are your church. And that we are not victims. And we are victorious in Christ Jesus. We are the head and not the tail. We throw off just the, the things that entangle, the stuff of the world, the, the, the lies of the enemy, Lord. We just pray for clarity. Lord, I pray for my own spiritual palate to desire and long for organic food. That which is from above. The heritage food. The untainted with GMOs. The food that is from God. Untainted by men. Doctrines from God, from your word, Lord. We don't desire to be a part of a, this denomination or that denomination. We just want to serve you, Lord God. We want to be useful in this culture that is hell-bent on death. We want to petition men and women to turn and be saved. But we want to live well saved, Lord. We want to live the life and life abundantly. We don't want religion. We want the reality of Christ. We can't give our lives to religion, Lord. You know that. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him, he put up with the cross because the joy that was set before him, that we would have that same revelation, that this present suffering does not even compare to the glory that we will see. Help our eyes, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, we pray. We are but dust. You know our frailties, Lord. Help us, Lord. Just open your heart. I trust your ears have heard what, what, what the Lord has said. I trust your heart will receive. Just going to play this song, Lord. We just pray. Just move upon us, we have.